On top of fighting inflation, the Federal Reserve now has to deal with banks collapsing. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Price increases on goods and services remain a persistent thorn in the side of the U.S. economy. New data out today show that inflation is easing year over year, but prices were still 6% higher in February compared to February of last year. The news comes as the Federal Reserve is dealing with bank failures that have rattled Americans and the markets. So now the big question is, will the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank in California and Signature Bank in New York affect the Fed's future decisions on when and how fast to raise rates? Here to discuss, NPR chief economics correspondent Scott Horsley. Scott, the inflation data can be a hard thing to wrap your head around. Today, for instance, the numbers show that inflation continues to ease, but that prices are still climbing rapidly. What are your biggest takeaways from this new data? Well, you're right. The the headline annual inflation did come down. It was 6% in February, uh, down from 6.4% in January. But as you mentioned, the, the monthly numbers are not quite so encouraging. And if you strip out some of the volatile food and energy categories and, and housing uh, and focus on, on just service prices, which is what the Federal Reserve has been paying most attention to, mm-hmm. those core services other than housing actually uh, showed a larger price increase uh, uh, in February than the month before. So kind of moving in, in the wrong direction there. It, it means that uh, we're not out of the woods on the inflation story, and the, and the Fed's still got a, a lot of work to do. When we talk about products or services, which ones are we seeing uh, the, the sharpest price increases right now? <laughs> you know, every month there's there's some interesting uh, outliers in in the data. On the good news front, we finally saw a little bit of a decline in egg prices uh, in February. They're finally. still high by compa- by comparison to normal prices but after 4 months of big increases mm-hmm. egg prices finally came down a little bit but if you want ham and eggs well ham's going to cost you more so you know <laughs> oh, you, gosh. You, you know television sets got cheaper last month but streaming services got more expensive so that's kind of the story goods prices are starting to ease up level off but service prices, which are driven largely by by people, mm-hmm. uh, are are proving stubbornly high, and so that's that's going to be a challenge. It's not necessarily a story of tangled supply chains anymore, or you know containers stacked up on on docks. It's it's just people doing services. You know, ve- the cost of veterinary services jumped more than two percent just between January and February, uh, and that's that's wow. a, a, a stubborn uh, a thing that you know speaks to a lot of shortages of vets all those new newly adopted animals during the pandemic and right. so forth but uh, th- those are those are harder prices to bring down now last week this is before the run on silicon valley bank chairman jerome powell warned that the fed might have to raise rates higher and more quickly than previously expected in order to to stem these price increases but now it seems that the bank failures could affect what happens with our rates so so what's the connection there yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, oh, just a week ago, betting markets really anticipated that the Fed was uh, at least going to raise interest rates by a quarter percentage point at its meeting next week and maybe go with a half point increase, which would be bigger than the, the rate hike that the Fed adopted just at the beginning of February. Um, and that was because the, the Fed chairman was warning that, look, we've got a labor market that remains really strong. We've got consumers who are still spending pretty freely. Uh, inflationary pressures, which looked like they were easing at the end of last year, seem to be at least holding steady or maybe even picking up steam at the beginning of this year. So he was he was warning that the Fed was going to have to get really tough. Then we had the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. And, you know, uh, 
yesterday, betting markets were sort of assuming that the Fed would definitely not raise rates by half a point, would maybe raise rates by a quarter point, but might just leave rates alone when mm. it meets next next week. But then after this uh, inflation report came out this morning, that's that's kind of changed again. And now betting markets are really kind of locking in on that quarter point increase. There's a assumption that the Fed is going to raise rates, but only by a quarter point. The the stand pat option has 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 fallen. And whether that is a vote of confidence that the banking system is more stable than it looked like yesterday or a vote that inflation is more worrisome than it looked like yesterday, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Maybe a little bit of both of those things is, is playing into that calculation. But but uh, forecasters really seem to be zeroing in now on the idea that the Fed's going to boost rates by a quarter point at, at its meeting next Wednesday, which is the same as what they did at that February meeting. I see. Well, let's bring listeners who might not be up to speed uh, some background Explain why Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank failed. Well, in case of Silicon Valley Bank, it was a it was a classic bank run that was really precipitated by some risky uh, management at the bank. Uh, they had put a lot of assets into low interest rate government bonds, which ordinarily you think of as a very safe investment. But when prevailing interest rates uh, go up, and the interest rates have gone up pretty sharply over mm-hmm. the last year as the Fed's tried to crack down on inflation, the value of those low interest rate government bonds goes down. Now, that wouldn't be a problem as long as you can uh, don't have to sell the bonds in a hurry, but, but uh, Silicon Valley Bank did wind up having to sell some of its bonds in a hurry in order to cover withdrawals from by some of its high-tech customers. Uh, the bank was, uh, its customer base was heavily weighted in the tech industry, which has fallen on hard-ish times lately, and they mm-hmm. were taking money out. So Silicon Bank had to uh, sell a lot of these government bonds at fire sale prices. And when news got out last week that they had lost close to $2 billion on those bond sales, then the remaining customers got kind of nervous. And Everybody said, oh, they're, left. They're losing money. Yeah. And, and that's a classic, you know, Jimmy Stewart uh, <laughs> it's a wonderful life bank run. Uh, and, and part of the problem there, too, was you had an awful lot of customers at Silicon Valley Bank who had deposits in excess of the quarter million dollars, both businesses and wealthy individuals who had more than a quarter million dollars in their bank accounts. And that's typically the limit of what the FDIC will guarantee. You know, Anybody with less than a quarter million dollars has no real need to run down to the bank and get their money out. They know they're protected by the FDIC. Folks with more than that, and that was the bulk of Silicon Valley customers, mm-hmm. were not, uh, in the normal course of things, protected by deposit insurance. And so there was more of an incentive for them to, to scramble. Now, as we know now, uh, the FDIC uh, suspended that cap in the case of Silicon Valley Bank and said they're going to make all those depositors whole. Right. Same with a Signature Bank in New York. But depositors didn't know that ahead of time, and so there was more of a... a you know, nervous, nervous bank run. Right, right. And you know, speaking of the FDIC, of, of course, we know that the banking industry this day is is much stronger than it was back in, say, 2008, 2009, when we saw a financial crisis. And I know that a lot of folks, Scott, they're, they're saying that this might be a repeat of what happened back then. But have those fears, you think, started to subside? Well, not entirely. Um, We did put in a lot of strict uh, banking regulation after the great financial crisis to prevent exactly this sort of situation. Right. Uh, The biggest banks, the the behemoths, are still subject to that very strict scrutiny uh, by bank regulators. But over the last decade, uh, those regulations have been 
watered down somewhat and watered down particularly in a way that subjected uh, banks like Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank to less oversight from federal regulators. Uh, they they fit into this sort of mid-tier of regional banks that are not, quote-unquote, too big to fail because those regulations were watered down in a way that uh, let those let those mid-sized banks escape strict uh, oversight. Uh, that's why you had Silicon Valley Bank getting into this position where a lot of their assets were tied up in these uh, low-interest government bonds and and subject to uh, a real problem if interest rates rose, which which they did. Yeah. So as we've discussed, that the Fed's recent interest rate increases, they, they may have played a role in this collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. They also have a, a widening impact on the economy overall. But what kinds of effects have we seen? I know for one thing, mortgage rates, they've climbed north of, what, 7%? They they did go up uh, north of 7%. Then they came down for a little bit. Uh, then they went back up. Now they're about 65 a little bit north of 6.5%. Um, but yes, it's been the, the housing market is one of the most interest rate sensitive markets in the whole economy. Mm-hmm. And certainly mortgage rates have, have, have gone up a lot from where they were a year ago. Uh, and that has depressed home sales. It has depressed housing construction. Uh, oddly enough, it hasn't really weighed too heavily on uh, employment in the construction industry. We continue to see construction companies adding jobs month after month, even though the home construction, you know, housing starts and housing completions have have tapered off. Uh, but it's not just the housing market. It's all the interest rate sensitive parts of the economy. You know, uh, car loans cost more now. Yeah. Uh, just carrying a balance on your credit card has gone up in cost. It's no, you know, average cost if if you carry a balance on your credit card is usually north of twenty percent now. Yeah, another important economic indicator is that monthly jobs report, and we know it came out on Friday. What did it show, Scott? And and how does that piece of data fit into that bigger picture we're talking about? Yeah, so the the jobs report and today's inflation report were the sort of two big pieces of information that the Fed was waiting on uh, as it as it considered uh, how big a rate hike to go with next week. And the jobs report was, uh, well, like today's inflation report, had kind of mixed signals. Um, on the one hand, the headline number, 311,000 jobs added in February, very okay. strong, weaker than January, but, but very strong uh, overall. Okay. Uh, and and that's of course great for workers, but has the potential to be inflationary because uh, a tight labor market can mean uh, wages go up, and that can that can contribute to inflation pressures. But within the details report, we saw that wage gains actually eased a little bit in in February, uh, and uh, f- more than four hundred thousand new people joined or rejoined the workforce. So while the headline number might have been a little bit uh, alarming for the Fed, the the growth in the workforce and the softening of the wage gains were sort of working in the other direction and pointing to less inflationary pressure. Mm-hmm. Well, as you mentioned there, the Fed's got a big decision coming up next week. I wonder if you care to make any predictions, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I'm not going to make any guesses, but I will tell you what the market is betting on. As I say, they've They've sort of settled in right now on that uh, order percentage point uh, rate hike. Now, that betting pool has swung back and forth over the last few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a week ago, there was a lot of attention on the possibility of a half-point interest rate hike. Yesterday, there was a, a 
significant chunk of the market that thought there'd be no interest rate hike. Mm -hmm. And right now, about eight in 10 people are betting that it's going to be that quarter point rate hike. I'll just check in with you (laughs) once (laughs) once we know. We've been talking with NPR Chief Economics Correspondent Scott Horsley. Thank you so much, Scott. This episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Dan Tucker and edited by Dan Tucker and Stephanie Kim. Don't forget to subscribe for more conversations about the economy, politics, and arts and culture, and how these issues affect you. And if you have a moment, please leave us a rating and a review. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening.